Hey guys, I'm really happy to partner with Well Woman Vegan from Vitabiotics as sponsors of By Back. For anyone like me leading or trying out a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle with a busy schedule, Well Woman is there to support you all along the way. It provides 24 nutrients, including higher levels of iron and vitamin B12. You can find them across the UK and Ireland nationwide. Hey there, I'm Roz Purcell, best-selling cookery author, ex-model, entrepreneur and host of Bite Back. How would you define your relationship with your body? Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible women who get frank about their relationship and ever-changing journeys towards self-love and acceptance. As the body positivity movement takes full flight, I want to be part of the conversation that puts pleasure back on your plate. Together, we'll discuss why numbers on a scale doesn't and shouldn't define us and how amazing our bodies really are. Guys, I am very excited to introduce Kimberly Wilson. She's a chartered psychologist and an internationally renowned leader in psychology therapy, as she provides help for people who have experienced eating disorders. Her work delves into the latest research and principles of nutritional neuroscience and nutritional psychiatry with evidence-based psychological therapy. I can't believe I got that introduction. Oh my god! I mean, that's, like that's I wish I had an I mean, introduction like ooh. that, but I don't. Ooh. I'm just. I'm you could so have stopped. I, 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 been yeah, listen, happy. I'm very happy I got through that. Um, you're better known for food and psych yes. to me because I follow you on Instagram. That's where you can check your, her page out. I honestly, I was just saying before we started, I wish I followed someone like Kimberly when I was young because her page is a really kind of great way of looking at food and body and eating disorders. I wanted this podcast to be a place where there was more of an understanding around eating disorders. And I think having you on is really important because you're someone who deals with it daily and you can offer practical and proper advice. Thank you for that incredibly kind introduction. (laughs) Thank you. I guess coming from a a psychological perspective, I kind of want to bring the idea that actually food is psychological and we always need to be thinking about it in in these different kinds of ways. People think it's about body or about food. And so if you're looking at it from that perspective, from that paradigm, then it it's going to look like the answer is either by changing your body or changing the food. So if someone is restricting, maybe if I just restore weight or if I just eat these different foods, then maybe I'll be better. But, you know, we're talking about psychological, psychiatric disorders. Mm. And we have to understand that it's never, ever, ever going to be just about what's on your plate. It's going to be about what's happening internally and what's on your mind. Yeah, because I guess when I was really bad. I just thought that I had this really bad relationship with food. And it wasn't until I went to therapy, I realised that actually, in fact, I had this huge control factor. I felt Mm -hmm. like if I was in control of my food, that I was in control of my life. One of the things about eating disorders is that they they emerge as coping mechanisms for emotional or kind of environmental experiences that just feel too overwhelming for the person to deal with. Like there's just there's too much going on. And so part of it is about kind of trying to regain some of that control. But part of it is also about trying to manage the anxiety. You know, everything is is chaotic around me or I feel these huge emotions. That's one of the big ones. Like I feel these huge emotions. I feel rage or I feel anxiety or I feel whatever these feelings might be. But there isn't anywhere that I can take them or I don't know how to deal with them. And so what ends up happening is that you find some other way of 
containing the anxiety. And one of the things that humans do universally to contain anxiety is ritual. We do all sorts of rituals that try to make us feel better about ourselves, Mm -hmm. like, you know, crossing your fingers or like not stepping on cracks, all of these little superstitions. But they're all kind of rituals. And actually, because food is itself so ritualized three Mm -hmm. meals a day this type of food for breakfast post-workout snacks whatever it becomes something that's really easy to use to create rituals around to contain the anxieties that are actually about other parts of your life I was really obsessed with numbers and weight exactly um so for me it was just like I knew the number that if I got down there, that was the better version of me. And if I wasn't that number, I was deeply unhappy. Um, and even when I was at that number, I feel like I was unhappy. I could always gone a little bit more. For people who come to you who are really number obsessed and whether, whether it's with calories or their weight, like how do you break out of that? Mm. Well, this, this is exactly the point, yeah. right? So it becomes about the ritual of the calculations and mm-hmm. of the numbers or getting down to the next weight and that feeling of having such finite control, you know, and that's what calories give you, the idea mm-hmm. that you're meal can be broken down into these numerical units that you feel like you're on in, you have absolute control over everything um so it's that combination of, of ritual and control that kind of locks you in i think one of the things to say about working in eating disorders that you, it needs to be done with a team so i cover the psychology and the person needs to be also be seeing a dietitian or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. because they're so deeply ingrained yeah. and they can be really really difficult for the person to kind of pull themselves out of and especially if they start to see it as part of their identity you know that this is it's my anorexia or it's my bulimia and Mm -hmm. it becomes fused with who they are and what I tend to do is to start with trying to understand who that person is separate from the eating disorder okay tell me tell me about you you tell me about your likes and dislikes and 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 to help them understand that they have a space and a right to express all aspects of themselves because one of the other things about eating disorders is that it really narrows your personality Mm, you know it kind of brings you into being really judged on what you can produce whether that's getting down to the next weight or being a particular dress size and you don't have the chance to think about all the other parts which we all tend to think of as bad like you know the times when you're moody Mm. and the times when you don't want to be friendly with someone or the times when you just want to have a bit of a shout or a rant or a sulk and to help people to kind of integrate those other parts you know that you can be both you don't have to just be the good one or the smart one or the thin one you can be all of this range of of aspects of yourself in all the time that I've worked with people on on these issues it's never been oh okay so that one thing happened and then you decided to stop eating like that that's not what happens what tends to happen is there tends to be an environment of competition whether that is within the home or whether that's in team sports whether that's kind of being a gymnast or you know so there's an element of interpersonal competition between people you are close to whether that's school friends your siblings or often sometimes you know with um, mothers and daughters so if your mother was a model often that can be she brings in a kind of pressure or an aesthetic eye Mm -hmm. to to her daughters so whether that is someone making a comment about your body or whether that is your coach saying you need to drop five pounds to make the team or whether you know something Mm -hmm. like that and obviously growing up in a very in the environment that we do where there's a huge amount of body focus sometimes the environment can provide that anyway and comparison is only a step away on social media (laughs) it's everywhere 
I went to a therapist and I really didn't think it worked at start. You know, I kind of, I, I think I was quite reluctant to change though. I felt like mm-hmm. if I took on their advice, I kind of, honestly, I went to tick a box and I think a lot of people around me made me promise that I would go get help. Mm-hmm. So I went to almost tick a box and I didn't want to change because I felt like if I change, I was going to lose all that control and I wouldn't be me anymore. When in fact, I realised I became me once I left all that control behind. There's so much to be understood about the way that we talk about food and the way that we talk about bodies Mm. and that the kind of rhetoric around food is that it's about control and if you are controlled then we have all of these positive associations with that you're ambitious you've got it together you know what you want from life you know you're gonna you're gonna make it and that gets associated with with control which by extension is restriction and so for these people who are looking for validation or confirmation that they're a good person it provides you know it almost volunteers itself Mm -hmm. as a solution whereas our social attitudes to people who are overweight or to eating or to what gets called indulging is really negative you're out of control you don't really care you have no ambition you're unattractive so we have these really strong black and white separations between our our approaches to food and our attitudes to food and bodies which is massively a unhelpful be untrue so Mm -hmm. we're kind of living in this weird uh, environment where we're all part of an illusion where to eat one way makes you a good person and to eat another way makes you a bad person. You were just touching on there about like how our language towards food is seemed. I definitely think I've become very much aware of not commenting on people, even if you think it's a compliment, even if you think, oh, you you look greater, like compliment them on something else. Like you're doing, you're doing fantastic things at the moment or, I'm you know, really whatever. Inspired by you. Yeah, I'm really inspired. <laughs> you did you a know, great job on that. Rather than aesthetics, because I've held on to so many comments. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I think... When I've said this at, or where, when it's been said at conferences and things, you know, try not to comment on people's bodies, even if you think it's a compliment. Mm-hmm. People get really irritated by that because they're saying, what, so I can't tell my friend that she looks great. It's, it's a weird thing that we think it's okay to comment on somebody else's body. Like it's a bizarre thing. It's not your body. It's not something for you to, to comment on. And to do so, I'm afraid, does mean you're kind of contributing to a kind of objectification of mm-hmm. other people. And we self-objectify all the time. You know, people position themselves in, in ways to garner commentary on their bodies. So it's a very complicated kind of landscape at the moment. But if we can move away from the first thing you hear your mum or your grandma say when you arrive at the door is whether or not you've put on weight rather yeah. than, oh my God, I've missed you so much. Mm-hmm. It's so good to see you. Then, you know, I think that would be yeah. a better way for us to, to think and about think our interactions. It's kind of like an automatic thing. And I have to really think not to do it when someone comes in and go, you look great. I used to always think that it was just in my industry. I used to say, oh, I think it's because I'm a model. People feel that they can openly comment on my aesthetics. But coming out of it, people still do. All the time. All the time. And, and people kind of worry about being food shamed. I, I, um, the offices I work in are, are mixed use. Mm-hmm. So there are different companies, but we have little shared kitchens. And when I started, what the building managers would do is like leave some cans of drink in there and also um, like chocolate bars mm-hmm. as well. Um, 
as free snacks for you. So I was uh, just in the kitchen making myself a cup of tea and someone who I don't know, she came from a completely mm. different company, different office, came into the kitchen and she was pulling her lunch out of the out of the fridge. And one of the, I don't know, Mars bars, Twixes yeah. fell out of the, of the cupboard and she looked up at me and went, oh, it's not mine. And I thought, isn't that extraordinary, right? We don't know each other. We're two unknown women. She doesn't know who I am, what I do, anything. But she had such an intense guilt about this one food product and such a worry that I would make an assumption about her and shame her for it, even quietly in my own mind, that she had to make clear to a complete stranger that she wasn't eating a chocolate bar. And I just think that's the kind of unconscious level of expectation of shame and guilt around food that we have Mm -hmm. where you have to defend yourself to a complete stranger how important is it to like the environment you surround yourself with so the people you follow on social media and your your friends the talk the chat you have like Mm -hmm. how important is that well it's it's really crucial because we tend to be friends with people who eat like us Wow. Which is a really interesting thing. That's so interesting. Yeah, and this kind of food tribalism, I think, is even bigger on social media, where food groups, dietary habits are used as a marker of identity and as a marker of status. So in a way in which you don't get in real life, people use the way that they eat as an identifier of of their morals. Recognising that, realising that, you have to be quite mindful of the way you might be influencing other people, but the way other people might be influencing you. So the idea of these raw food challenges or, Mm. you know, where groups of people eat exactly the same way for 30 days is kind of... It's kind of mad because yeah. there's no, there's absolutely no reason why you would ever do that. You've got different bodies, different genetics, mm-hmm. different activity levels, different lifestyles, different backgrounds. Why would you all be eating the same way? I think our generation, we just want to be told what to do. <laughs> like the amount of messages I get off girls being like, what are your macros? Just, just, I just like to know because we have a similar body shape. And I'm like, what? We probably do completely different things. Like... I train completely different program to you. There's no relevance to you whatsoever. And I'm just astonished by the amount of people who just, they just want easy access. They just tell me what to do. It's mm. just easier. And that's one of the things, like I have a food blog and one of my biggest things and statements on it is like, I am do not advocate one type of diet because everyone is so different. And I've messed myself up by doing diets. Mm-hmm. I have yo-yoed. I've gone back and forth. I have done the craziest diets you can think of. I've done all of them. And... They all made me worse and worse each time. What do you think? Do you think it's the case that like a lot of people, it's like trial and error, just learning from it? Or is there a way to kind of like help the younger generation just like not, just, to, just skip that part? <laughs> I wish. Um, I think largely people don't realise that they internalise those social values of the aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. You don't realise. Um, it's like asking a fish to describe water. You don't realise that this culture, which is always looking at bodies, is just surrounding you all the time. And it's everything that you know. And so people will, they'll go into the office and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. And what they expect is someone to say, oh, great. Oh, yeah, good for you. Fantastic. Because we've made an equivalence between trying to lose weight and goodness mm-hmm. or, you know, something positive. Trying to get people to understand what their motivation is. And if you're concerned about your cholesterol or your health in some way and you want to improve your health behaviours, fine. Like, it's cool. But are you objectifying yourself or are you trying to use weight loss as a substitute for something else, you know, for feeling better at yourself Mm. in some other way? In which case, 
this it's never going to work and you should be investing all of that time and all of that energy into some other yeah form like whether it's spending more time people with friends think it's or, like a, it's an answer to happiness it's yeah like it's a direct, shortcut it's your direct line there and we always want the quickest way Absolutely. as well the idea is that if you're slim you're confident if you're mm-hmm. confident you're successful yeah. and and that's what we've been sold and that's what we continue to be sold but it's and just not true also like there's so much stuff online now I think nutrition is definitely an area that there's so much fog over because one day we're told oh my god eat this this is the best thing for you oh my god it's going to like put it on your hair put it on your <laughs> and then next week it's like oh god no sorry like, to stay away from that like the original was better and I think with diets as well they sell you this certain type of like you know different diets if you look at a woman's magazine and it's got a picture of a, a particular body shape on the front and, and says be your sexiest ever yeah. then the magazine could just say oh no we're just talking about confidence we're not saying that you have mm. to be this size to, to be your sexiest ever and I, I totally get it as well you know your job is to sell a magazine it's you know you want that clickbait stuff and that's exactly and everything it like that. right so we there's a, a huge way in which it's tricky because there are some biological evolutionary bases for, you know, markers of health, you could argue, and and that we are attracted to a certain healthy mm-hmm. body weight and body size. But that that gets hijacked massively by the beauty industry and by magazines and media and fashion so that a, a smaller and smaller version of healthy becomes the desirable one. Mm-hmm. And what we need is for people to get back in touch with the idea that what's important is how they feel about themselves, um, their own relationship with their own body, their own relationship with food, and that what's most important is that they are looking after themselves rather than, you know, what they look like. Mm-hmm. But I think that's incredibly difficult, you know, if I'm being absolutely honest, because we're a hugely visually driven society, hugely visually driven species. And what it really needs is a lot of critical analysis of all the messages that come in. And I think that's really hard work. So yeah. I, I don't want to sound kind of pessimistic, but I think it will take a lot of work. And there are obviously a huge number of people doing great work, kind of the anti-diet and the health at every size and mm-hmm. the intuitive eating crews uh, trying to help you understand that food is is deeper and more important than just your aesthetic. But as long as a particular body size is sold to us as the answer to all our problems and that all of those institutions have much more marketing budget Mm -hmm. and much more reach than people on the other side, I think it's going to take a while. Okay. Lastly, because I know I've... You're so, I could actually just talk to you all day. Kind of wish I had you and like, just had you along with me in my early 20s. But um, for the young girls listening, but like the girls, the guys of all ages, because mm-hmm. I know I get so many messages off mums and things like that. And what's the one thing you would say to them? Like someone out there who's mm-hmm. who's really struggling at the moment, who feels like they don't have a way out, that they're stuck and that they're different. They're different than anyone else and they're not going to be able to get out of this. Which is actually more common than you think, you know, it's... Mm-hmm extraordinary as as a therapist and I've done thousands of hours of therapy I would say that you have the right to your own mind you have the right to express all parts of you and to live a kind of whole life and that 
trying to achieve that through food is never going to work. I love that. And yeah, that's a fantastic thing. I think, you know, we have to remember that you know, we're going to age and we don't want to look back and think that we lived our whole life. This is a thing. Like, can you imagine? Like, it's the last thing on your mind, if you're, you're 70 years old, <laughs> <laughs> you're surrounded by your grandkids, you know, the last thing you're going to be thinking about was, oh, well, you know, I could have been two pounds lighter on that mm-hmm. day. And you're going to just remember the good moments, just the holidays. You're going to remember the good so. moments. You're going to remember the relationships. Mm-hmm. You're going to remember the time you spent with people. You're going to remember those nights eating pizza with your mm-hmm. friends after you come out. Those are the things that are going to stick mm-hmm. with you. You deserve to have your life mm-hmm. back. You deserve it. So I would really hope that people take hold of that idea and say that I deserve so much more. We're going to leave it there. I think leaving on that very, very nice message. Uh, guys, if you want to follow someone fantastic, check out at Food and Psych. She's someone I love to follow and still learn from every single day. Um, so thank you so much for thank joining Thank you today. so, so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bite Back. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would love to hear from you. Let us know by rating, sharing and subscribing to Bite Back. And don't forget to join us next week where we sink our teeth into some more inspiring conversations.